0: It's Nature Winds Podcast, a climate adaptation journey. I'm your host, Maureen Aylward. This is Kate Bann's climate story, a storied place. Gloucester, Rockport, Essex, and Manchester-by-the-Sea. Coastal communities of people who know their way around a storm, but were vulnerable to climate threats and working on coastal resilience. It's Nature Winds Podcast, and I'm your host, Maureen Aylward. We're here in the Streamography studios in Gloucester, Massachusetts, for our debut episode, Decarb Gloucester. I'm sitting here with Dick Proudy, Chair of the Board of Directors for Town Green, a nonprofit that offers climate awareness education programs and municipal services for Cape Ann, and Candace Wheeler, a member of Gloucester's Clean Energy Commission. Dick and Candace, welcome to Nature Winds. Thank you. Glad thank you. To be here. Uh, before we get started, I just want to say thank you to our podcast sponsor, Common Crow Natural Market. Well, we're talking about Decarb Gloucester today, but before we get started, I'd like to hear more about um, your two different roles in, in organizations. So, Dick, why don't we start with uh, Town Green? Okay. Tell,
1: tell, me, tell me what. All right. I'm, uh, what's up? Town Green is, as a program, nine years old. Started when I uh, left as the uh, CEO of Project Adventure in Beverly and that was a full-time plus position and I I knew I would wanted a challenge and I wanted to do something different you know so I didn't want to do just consulting to schools about adventure education so I knew climate activism was going to be a growing concern and um First, under the Unitarian Universalist Church as a committee, we started a a, a sustainability committee. We started having meetings and we had eight or 10 people that I invited come and they were all interested and passionate, Candace being one of them. And uh, that evolved into then a program of a new nonprofit that I helped start and currently the treasurer on, which is the Meeting House Foundation. And we stayed on as a program of the Meeting House Foundation for the next seven years. And we um, had many different campaigns. We had three or four sustainability fairs at the O'Malley School, one at the high school. We had four or 500 people attend each one. And we were focused on education. And we were focusing mainly on mitigation. Because in those days, when we started out... that was where most of the attention was. It wasn't on adapting to the inevitability of the damage, which we now understand is going to be very substantial. We were trying to eliminate the problem as much as we could and make the eventual damage as little as possible. So we had a lot of education about programs that were basically dealing with mitigation. We had a mm-hmm. solarized campaign. We <clears throat> We had another campaign to help, Mass Save, and we worked with the city and CEC on the Mass Save campaign you guys did, working with Greg Kadamatori to get the numbers up of people who were taking advantage of the Mass Save subsidies. Um, And I think we've made a big effect because we, you know, we had over 100 of our own solar installations that we got credit for, for starting the families. But then, since then, the numbers show well over 1,000 new installations in those years uh, across the four K-PAN communities. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: what is Town Green doing now?
1: So about a year, uh, in January of 2020, we decided to become our own nonprofit. Uh, this was after we had <coughs> started to um, get more grants and, and money coming in, primarily the big one being the money for the Harvard research. So in 19 uh, 2019 20, we raised over $60,000, the eventual 110 that funded the first year of the Harvard Graduate School of Education Research. Which mm-hmm. was all about the effect of the big storm on Cape Ann. And that amount of money and that um, budget impact on the Meeting House Foundation began to be big enough so that we decided to separate and f- hive off and form our own 501c3. Mm-hmm which we finished, we started in 19 and we finished in January of 2020. Um, And then since that time, we've been working on education, continuing to interpret the Harvard research, which is voluminous. And we're bringing that down to the local level, looking at how does this affect communities? How does this affect Gloucester, for example, at Good Harbor Beach? How does it affect Rockport at Long Beach? downtown Rockport, both of which are going to be very much affected by a storm like if this, Mm -hmm. if a storm like this should occur. Uh, This is called scenario planning. And we are going to be working in Essex this coming month, Manchester after that. And then um, we're continually working with Gloucester through GEMMA, CEC initiatives and so forth. And GEMMA is... uh, I'm going to be speaking later, but Gemma yeah. is in charge of the uh, CARP program, which is really all about initiatives that the city of Gloucester is doing.
0: Yeah, so that's, uh, Candice, let's turn to you. Tell me about your role on the Gloucester's Clean Energy Commission. What does it do? What
2: do you do there? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I'm the chairman of the Clean Energy Commission, uh, and the commission was created back in 2009 uh, by an ordinance that was adopted by the city. And I think in Gloucester we've been very lucky to have uh, a very active group of citizens who are climate aware and have been for literally decades. And I think that they spearheaded uh, bringing the need for such a commission to the city council and the city council responded favorably and set up the Clean Energy Mm -hmm. Commission um, through that ordinance. And um, at the moment it's a seven-member commission. Um, We are set up to essentially bring the issues of sustainability and climate, uh, um, you know, mitigation, which is, you know, trying to cure the problem, uh, to the local level uh, through uh, collaboration with city departments and uh, the city council. Mm -hmm. Um, We are supposed to be advisory to the city council. We do not have any legislative power of our own, um, but we can essentially find ideas for good programs and good policies and bring them to the attention of the city council and, and do the research necessary so that uh, mm-hmm. we can accomplish those things. And two examples of... Uh, just gonna you know, ask you if you have some examples. <laughs> I think the one that stands out especially strongly to me uh, is the, ag- the aggregation program, which is community electricity aggregation. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a program that was enabled by the state legislature that allows cities and towns to buy electricity on behalf of their citizens and to buy electricity that has a much higher percentage of renewable energy in it than would be required normally mm-hmm. by state law. The state does require a certain minimum percentage of renewable energy um, of all utilities that are selling electricity in the state. But uh, with this program, uh, Gloucester, starting in 2018, has been purchasing Electricity that is uh, not only greener than what would be otherwise available through the utility's usual default plan, mm-hmm. but it is also, in many cases, less expensive. Um, mm-hmm. And this has been very true recently when electric rates soared. But because Gloucester had purchased a three-year energy contract with a supplier, our our rate stayed low. Mm-hmm. That made a huge difference over last year, right? It they, did the winter. Into it the spring. did. You know, people were really shocked by what happened to the energy prices, and mm-hmm. um, you know, and it was a, I think, a very good selling point for the aggregation <laughs> program that yeah. that uh, it was also cost effective, uh, in addition to being environmentally very important. And I think another uh, another example of things that the CEC has worked on um, include uh, the turbines that you see as you drive into Gloucester. Um, Varian led the way with its uh, first, uh, you know, wind turbine, and shortly behind them, the city of Gloucester mm-hmm. worked out a collaborative uh, engagement with a developer was able to develop it, it, you know, all of the costs of development and ownership and maintenance of those turbines belong to the developer, a private developer. Mm -hmm. And uh, the developer was able to take advantage of some very generous federal incentives um, that uh, were made available that, uh, you know, were a tremendous tax advantage. Uh, They got a huge tax credit for doing the development. And as a result, Gloucester has been buying electricity that is Way reduced in price, and also getting uh, cash in in a uh, compensation for the fact that we've provided a market for the electricity through all our municipal buildings, including schools, mm-hmm. city hall, public works, and so on. We all are essentially using the equivalent of the electricity that comes from those turbines. Um, So in both of those things, uh, we essentially did research and, um, you know, presented information to the city council and advocated for both aggregation and for the turbines. Um, And it's entirely a cooperative process. We cooperate with the city departments who have been terrific. Um, You know, the uh, community development department the city council itself and the public works department have been forward-looking and receptive to these climate initiatives.
0: That's great. Thanks for that overview, Candice. And um, thank you to uh, Dick for that overview. So for our listeners, let's define what decarbonization is. Uh, You just sort of described what it is Mm. um, with both, you know, renewable energy and municipal aggregation um, and, and how climate mitigation comes in there. That there's electrification, there's decarbonization, there's climate mitigation. Let's talk about those terms so we can
2: really help people to understand. Well, if you'll let me launch on decarbonization, I, th- I thought about this before the yeah, show. Yeah, absolutely. Floor's and, all yours, Candace. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Going back to basics, um, over the past 400 years, human activity has been powered by burning fossil fuels, oil, gas, coal, and more. And burning fossil fuels releases carbon dioxide. And when CO2 builds up in the atmosphere from all of this burning of fossil fuels, it traps heat like the glass in a greenhouse. And this is therefore called greenhouse gases. CO2 is a greenhouse gas. There are others like methane that humans also uh, pump into the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, the... Earth and the atmosphere warm up with this blanket of carbon dioxide over the Earth, and that sets in motion changes in weather and climate. Um, And the CO2 stays in the atmosphere uh, and builds up in the atmosphere. So decarbonization is the process of reducing the human addition of CO2 to the atmosphere. And it's important we don't want to add any more, and that's why we try for energy efficiency Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, for switching to renewable fuels that do not emit carbon dioxide. But not only do we have to uh, try to not put any more into the air, we also have to pay attention to trying to remove some of it from the air. Mm -hmm. And there are technologies that are developing, although I think that they're still considered experimental. For trying to remove large amounts of CO two from the atmosphere, mm-hmm. so uh, we decarbonize by not putting any more in, and maybe hopefully by being able to take some out.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you for that definition, Candice. Um, Dick, let's talk about climate mitigation because you know that's one of the things that you that Town Green started out doing um, is to take a look at the problem and, and mitigate the issue. Well,
1: certainly, um, going solar solarizing your house or your neighborhood in some cases, uh, stops you burning electricity, much of which is produced by fossil fuel plants. So when you can go solar, um, you can get a credit and you sort of begin to go off the grid. So that's one way that we've historically done it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with the um, this current year we're looking at ecological restoration including things like uh, helping the marsh from being flooded and keeping it healthy so that it can continue to sequester carbon because marshes are actually one of the most powerful sequestration uh, bodies known to man and those thick mud flats under the marshes hold Many, many thousands and thousands of tons of all across Gloucester and Cape Ann. Mm-hmm. So, natu- ecological restoration, where we're we're now completing a study that by the end of the year, which will have us look at different projects where we can protect the natural environment, assess the damage, and restore, and help it grow and thrive, and continue to mitigate and draw down, and depending on the particular. Piece of the ecology we're talking about, the marsh being the most powerful uh, sequestration engine we have. But trees certainly are, we'll be hopefully looking to plant more trees downtown. Um, One of our big threats is, um, aside from hurricanes, is the future warming of the planet. This is a tipping point this year, I think, for us understanding how warming is going much faster than predicted by the COP models so you see what's happening in Florida, Texas, Arizona, Southern mm-hmm. California. Eventually, whether it's 5, 10, 20 years, we'll get some of that ourselves. And if we don't have a cooling effect downtown, unless you have air conditioning, you will be um, you know very vulnerable to dying, literally dying. It doesn't take too long to die from heat exhaustion.
0: Right, the heat the heat issue We'll get those to some of those examples. ideas. <laughs> mm. um, so, uh, Candice, you've done a lot of work so far um, since 2009. You've been part of this since the beginning, right?
2: Um, shortly after the beginning, I joined in 2010, and um, I've uh, I joined when several other excellent chairmen were serving, um, yeah. Sam Cleves and Tom Balfe, mm-hmm. uh, and eventually uh, took the role over. Um, and I've just Stayed in it because it's endlessly interesting, and I really believe in its importance.
0: So you, you gave us a little picture of what the what the journey has been like so far. Where is it going now? Do do you have a, a sense of where Gloucester needs to get to, or what are the what are the things that Gloucester might need to take a look at in terms of a a decarb journey, or you know um, you know its climate journey mm-hmm. in terms of decarbonization.
2: Well, we've got a wonderful guide for that, which is the the CARP plan, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned earlier. Um, Climate Action and Resilience Plan is what that stands for. Mm -hmm. And um, it was completed, uh, I guess it was last year, time flies. Yeah, 2022, sure. Um, And it lays out a whole bunch of strategies for uh, the city to consider and try to uh, adopt uh, as many as they can. Mm -hmm. And um, it was based on a lot of public participation because, you know, this is an issue which touches people's daily lives. And if we're going to ask them to change, we both, they have to understand why, and then they have to understand how the tools that we're proposing can help and, you know, what the impacts will be on them and their lives.
0: Right. And you can find the CARP plan or the Climate um, Action and Resilience Plan on the Gloucester-ma.gov
2: website. Yes. And just search for CARP, C-A-R-P. Yep. Um, in fact, just a quick aside, uh, I am so impressed with the way the city has set up the websites for, uh, you know, CEC has its page, the, yep. the CARP plan is covered, um, all of the work of community development is covered. Mm-hmm. So somebody can become very knowledgeable by spending a f- few hours. <laughs> You know, just exploring what the city has put in the city website relating to these matters.
0: Yeah, definitely. If you want to learn more about what Gloucester's doing, the CART plan is really the first, first yeah, step.
2: It's a great place to... Um, I think, uh, you know, issues that are coming up soon for us, um, you know, one of them is that, uh, you know, we have uh, a whole community of businesses in Gloucester, and there is now a program that has been adopted by... Um, by the state and approved for Gloucester, that's called PACE, which stands for Property Assessed um, Climate Action, I guess it is, no, climate, something with an E. Anyway, it's, um, it's a, a law that essentially allows people to uh, invest in energy improvements in their businesses and then uh, pay for it over time. Using the city's property tax system as a hmm. way to make pa- uh, payments on those things, and it makes it much more affordable uh, to do it. And it's supported by the state agency Mass Development. Uh, there's good financing available through it, through that, that uh, you know puts it, it makes it very affordable to do these improvements. Hmm. And so far, we haven't had much uptake on that, but uh, we're hoping that we can get going on that. We're also hoping that in collaborative work with uh, the city agencies and the schools, that we'll see an electric school bus fleet uh, starting to materialize for Gloucester. And the the work is ongoing. Um, When you hear from uh, Gemma, you may be able to hear more about the state of where that stands, but we have begun.
0: That's exciting. You know, these are the kinds of steps that are necessary. Um, and it takes everybody, right? It's going to take businesses, um, residents, uh, certainly the government and others mm-hmm. um, in the community in and in across Cape Ann. I know we're just talking about Gloucester right now, but, you know, these are the essential mechanisms of getting electrification happening um, mm-hmm. and and taking a look at how people can really make a difference. It it is one of the best ways that people can make a difference, right?
1: Yes. You know. There are
2: uh so many city uh departments that are involved in one way or another, departments and commissions, and a good example of uh you know, sort of the, the way that we all have to mesh, the um EDIC, which is the Economic Development and Industrial Commission in Gloucester, mm-hmm. um Is starting to work with the utilities uh, on the question of where the electrical supply is going to come from that will allow this electrification that we've been talking about. Um, You know right now uh, the infrastructure isn't there to allow everybody to electrify which is the eventual goal. You mean the grid infrastructure? Exactly, the grid infrastructure. We need to have more capacity on the North Shore than we currently do. So EDIC has picked up that issue. CEC will be collaborating with them in any mm-hmm. way that we can. I'm sure that they will eventually have proposals for the city council and uh, requests to our uh, state representative and senator uh, mm-hmm. you know, for uh, measures that will bring something like that about. Um, and it's a good example of the collaboration that's required in this.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, uh, Dick, why don't you talk a little bit
0: about how Town Green is advocating for a strong grid? Because... That it, you know, we're not going to be able to do uh, on Cape Ann the kinds of renewables that we really do need to meet um, the decarbonization goals. Um, not just of Massachusetts, yeah. not just with the city or the mass- state of Massachusetts, but globally. Yeah. Um, you know. Tom
1: Bell reached out to us, and um, you know, we exchanged some emails and encouraged his work. So we're ready to help publicize this. Um, and, you know, basically put some pressure on National Grid. I mean, National Grid is going to need to invest. Uh, I know Senator Tarr is very interested in this. We meet with Senator Tarr every two or three months, myself and Greg Fetishfield, the treasurer of Town Green, and uh, Valerie Nelson. Uh, and we work on working with Harvard directly, uh, the graduate school. But I think the grid is one of those issues that, we are going to be advocating for strengthening. It's a, it's a big issue. Um, that speaks to, to our working with municipal officials in the four communities, and we're, we've met with the selectmen of Manchester. We're in communication with selectmen at, at both Rockport and Essex, and we are constantly in communication with you, of course, and Gemma, uh, Great Canvatoria on occasion. And we plan to increase that and up to up the uh, communication with the uh, City Council of Gloucester, and we've met with uh, the Mayor of Gloucester every three or four months, and just to exchange what we're working on, listen to what he's working on, and that's our convening uh, municipal services. That uh, thing that's that's emerging where we'll help the communities communicate with each other and look at some sort of regional structure because these are regional problems and we believe there needs to be some kind of a structure that will emerge out of the next two or three or four years. <clears throat> hmm. And we think we have a role to convene those meetings and help it grow. And,
0: and you know, and this is one of the big issues I think facing us is the grid. Uh, Candice,
2: w- what do you think about that uh, convening and discussion, communication? Um, I am very enthusiastic about it. I think it's absolutely necessary. Um, There's no way that we can solve uh, climate problems that are interdependent between communities without engaging them in the process. And uh, I think uh, CACC, which is uh, the organization that Town Green generated that is sort of the citizen action arm of, uh, of Town Green... Has been very active in that, uh, in the public education side, and in the gathering of people, uh, different interest groups in town together. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the recent uh, CACC uh, webinars was um, the Gloucester Fishermen's Wives Association. uh, You know, essentially uh, acting as a convener for for us. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. to. Uh, to talk about the special issues that the fishing industry and its preservation uh, right. pose for our our town. Is this the, in relationship to um, offshore wind development? Uh, yes, um, on, and also, uh, you know, it interconnects with the whole question of, of green jobs, you know, in a challenged right. fishing industry. We know that the people who yeah. fish love to do it, but there should be, uh, you know, good green jobs that pay well. Uh, mm-hmm. to help bring the energy efficiency and the renewable energy into actual presence on the North Shore. And,
0: and, and have those things in Gloucester. Yes, and, exactly. And, yeah, um, Well, one of the things that I'll have is uh, notes and resources. So for folks who n- want to learn more, um, you can visit the website, towngreen2025.org, and um, click on the podcast page, and you'll be able to find more um, about these things that we discussed um the edic the pace program um and um even probably a link to that that fisherman's wives um webinar that mm-hmm. happened just a little while ago maybe yeah. in the beginning of september um well we're guess what we we have to wrap <laughs> um there's so much more to talk about and luckily. Uh, we have a lovely podcast here, Nature Wins, and we're going to have these conversations and we're going to hopefully have both of you back for um, some more discussion around Cape Ann's climate journey um, as we as we move forward. So Dick Prouty from Town Green, thanks very much. Thank you, Wheeler Marie. from the Gloucester Clean Energy Commission. Um, thanks so much for your details. Thank um, you
2: for doing this. This is part of that public outreach we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, this is it.
0: We're really Town Green produces this program, uh, and we're we're really happy happy to do that and have more conversation about it. Um, So, again, thanks to our podcast sponsor, uh, Common Crow Natural Market, and um, as I said, you can find more information um, on the Town Green website. You can also follow us on our social platforms. You can do hashtag Town Green Inc. You can take a look at Linkpop. Uh, Town Green um, Inc., and find us there as well. So we're on social, and we um, are going to next speak to Gemma Wilkins, who's the sustainability coordinator for the City of Gloucester. Stay tuned, and we'll be back. Common Crow Natural Market, Cape Ann's one stop shop for natural and organic food, Scratch made grab and go treats and meals natural and organic wellness and beauty items, and fair trade gifts and housewares. Kind service and knowledgeable staff will help you make the best choices for you. Our passion feeds you. It's Nature Winds Podcast, and I'm your host, Maureen Aylward. This is segment two of Decarb Gloucester. And I'm here in the Streamography Studios with Gemma Wilkins, the City of Gloucester Sustainability Coordinator. And we're going to learn um, more about the what's called the CARP plan. And um, are you going to talk about the Resident Climate Action Toolkit, I'm hoping, and then energy fear? Yeah, I
3: definitely can talk about yeah. all of those things.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Gemma, thanks so much for joining us. And before we get started, I just want to say thank you to our sponsor, Common Crow Natural Market in Gloucester. Um, Gemma, the sustainability coordinator position is a new position uh, for you, and I would really like for you to give us a background of what you were doing before you took this position and what the role is.
3: Yeah, so before I moved into this position, I was working in community development. Um, That is the same department that The sustainability division is now housed in, uh, but I was working in planning and historically in Gloucester a lot of the sort of sustainability work has happened in planning. Um, So as in my role in planning as a staff planner I actually sort of had the pleasure to uh, kind of you know move forward the city's climate action plan um, and, and coordinate bringing that to fruition. So you know when the city implemented the role of, of sustainability coordinator, um, I felt like I had a lot to offer and that I could kind of carry forward um, you know those actions and goals that were identified in the, the city's climate action and resilience plan.
0: So is your role to implement the climate action and resilience plan?
3: Yeah, I mean I think that really is the mandate of you know what are the types of things what is the scope of the types of things that we're doing? If any, if you've ever looked at the Climate Action Resilience Plan, you know that it's packed full of different things that we could be doing. Um, but, you know, the term sustainability coordinator really is what it sounds. Uh, you know, I'm really looking to work across different departments, understand what their needs are, um, you know, try to understand what the funding availability is, especially the funding that incentivizes You know cities to be more sustainable um, and connect the dots between what's in our climate action plan, uh, what departments need, um, and you know those funding sources. Um, So sometimes it's opportunistic right when those things come together you have the magic bullet um, and and we you know are able to implement one of the actions in our in our climate action plan.
0: Well, Well let's get into the climate action plan uh, a little bit more and um, tell us some of the things that you're working towards that uh, are outlined in the CARP.
3: Yeah so the CARP itself if if you ever get a chance to look at it I definitely recommend it it's on our city website you can really just google we have it. Gloucester oh, yeah. Climate Action and Resilience Plan mm-hmm. or CARP for short I know people hate acronyms but I think CARP is a fairly memorable one. Um, it's composed of six different sections And within each section, there's broad goals. Um, Those sections are buildings, uh, energy, natural resources, infrastructure, mobility, solid waste, and social resilience. Um, So there's broad goals within each section. And then also within each section, there's actions that have been identified. Um, And all of that was identified through a planning process that involved uh, workshops, bringing in experts, looking at the data, um, and in particular, you know, engaging the community. I think you know very well that Gloucester has an extremely active and robust climate advocacy uh, community. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those folks were at the table, but we also worked hard to, you know, reach out to young people. We had two interns, youth interns involved as kind of an ambassador to youth. Um, we tried to reach out to environmental justice communities. And that's a term we use a lot in the world of municipal climate sustainability work that just want to ad- just
0: define that for a moment
3: yeah it just identifies populations that historically have been impacted negatively by the by climate change um you know by you know poor air quality urban heat island impacts right all of these different impacts that mm-hmm. um rising energy prices right that can affect um folks who are marginalized more so um than someone who might you know have a cushion to be able to kind of avoid those those negative impacts.
0: Right, right. So um, is there an example that you'd like to give us from uh, some of the work that you're doing currently, um, you know, just to show how it started out perhaps or like this journey that um, that you're on in, in this position? Like what, what are you seeing? Uh, and I'll talk about, I'll ask you another question after this.
3: <laughs> yeah, so some examples just, you know, in terms of Elements of the CARP that we've been able to kind of move forward and, and implement. Some of those are a little bit more black and white, where you know we've we've won. You know, we we passed the thing. We we got to the the point of of success. One example that's really like that, that you know you can really take a step back and say, okay, this was a win. Um, was climate zoning? That was a goal that was identified in in the CARP, and really through um, a lot of work on on the part of the city's. Uh, planning board and the city's planning director, Uh, they identified language that would protect our vulnerable coastal areas, um, as well as provide more information to folks who are living in areas that could see uh, the impacts of of sea level rise in the future. Um, And that was passed by city council, a vote of zero to nine. So, you know, that is really uh, shows sort of the the commitment in Gloucester Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. taking climate action. And the support. And the support, yeah. Um, and again, a lot of climate advocates within Gloucester showed up to speak in favor. Um, so that's one of those moments where the stars align, you have, mm-hmm. um, you know, the resources. I, I believe that um, the, pl- the planning director had pursued a grant to get some technical support. Um, there's the community support and there's the political support. Um, and you're able to kind of overcome and make it to the implementation part. Um, there's a lot of this that's not quite as black and white where you can say, "Yeah, we did it. Uh, it's just an ongoing kind of uh, maintenance or mm-hmm. um, trying to push push things forward. Um, and a lot of that is related to community engagement, right? Helping Gloucester residents understand how they can take climate action. Um, you know, within the CARp, we saw that about sixty four percent of emissions are coming from you know, Gloucester residents. That's a significant portion of where our greenhouse gas emissions are coming from in Gloucester. Mm -hmm. Um, So we really want to, you know, recognize that, but not also not put all of the uh, burden on individual residents to, you know, have to figure it out on their own.
0: And so what we're talking about is buildings, right? So people's homes, their cars. Um, Yeah. So that other things like clarify that a little bit.
3: That that number is really people's homes and people's cars. There's some other little elements in there, but really, you know, when you think about where you have opportunity to make an impact on the climate yourself as an individual, mm-hmm. um, it's really in the infrastructure that you have control over. Um, and, you know, we're trying to bring those resources to people because, one, you know, we want we want to hit that sweet spot where... You're, we're reducing our greenhouse gas emissions, but we're also improving people's quality of lives, and we're also, uh, you know, bringing resources to people to, to make that happen. And, you know, again, back to that concept of environmental justice communities, we really don't want folks who've been harmed in the past to miss out on how our, our economy and our society is changing now um, and sort of to be left behind there. Mm-hmm. So what does this look like? You know,
0: what what is the city of Gloucester doing to you know, help residents move forward with this? Because I know you did. you have a number of initiatives out there.
3: Yeah, so I would say what we're really focused on right now is what's called the Gloucester Energy Challenge. That is attempting to connect residents to MassSave. I think a lot of people know MassSave, uh, but sometimes they may not know just how generous the incentives through MassSave actually are. And also that MassSave is accessible to renters, to low-income folks, to moderate-income folks, um, and there are greater incentives for those populations to really get them across the finish line. Where mm-hmm. you know it, it might not be quite as easy compared to you know a, a homeowner.
0: Right. Um, so, so there's you know these different populations that you know everybody needs to be reached, and everybody needs to do something to change. And again, don't want to leave certain uh, populations behind. Um, so, let's talk about just a little bit of detail. Like what what does it mean when we're looking at, you know, this decarbonization of residents' homes or um, you know, landlords doing this for their renters. Um even businesses can do this as well. Yep. So, you know, uh what is it what does it look like, Gemma?
3: Yeah, so the first step really for for most everybody, businesses, residents, uh landlords, tenants, is what's called a no-cost home energy assessment. Um, And this is an energy assessment. It's paid for. If you pay a utility bill, you're paying into the system that pays for these. Mm -hmm. Um, It's paid for on on your utility bill. And someone will actually come to your home and they will do a sort of thorough review of what are the opportunities within your home to save energy, um, as well as to electrify And I'll I'll come back to that. and then they will you know, kind of list those things out, and they'll also talk about incentives to do those things. So through Mass Save, there are really very generous incentives on insulation. Right now, for multifamily buildings, there's a 100% incentive on insulation. That's not really even an incentive, that's, you know. They'll just do it for you. Yes, they're gonna do it for you. <laughs> they're gonna do it for you. <laughs> uh, it is a rebate, so you have to front the money, but um, you know, it's very generous. Um, I adjust the, uh, earplugs. Um, you know, there's incentives on heat pumps. There's incentives on, mm-hmm. um, you know, electric, uh, appliances. Um, so on electric appliances, going back to electrification itself. So right. one part of making your home being, being, taking climate action is making your home more energy efficient. So basically you're taking, you know, what it, what it costs in energy to heat one room and you're reducing that, right? So you're using less energy that has to be produced currently through, Mm -hmm. you know, fossil fuels to heat your bedroom, for example. Mm -hmm. But the other way to do that, to take climate action, is to electrify. So that means instead of plugging your heating system Um, your stove into gas or even oil, you're plugging it into, you're electrifying it, right? So you're you're getting heat pumps, you're getting an electric stove, um, and you're plugging it into electricity. And the reason that's so important is because what it allows for us as a society to do is decarbonize our grid. So replace all of those um, power plants and, you know, fossil fuel uh, powered um, infrastructure with renewables Mm -hmm. um and so you know we really need an electrified grid to be able to you know plug in and and take advantage of that and to make difference uh,
0: not only in gloucester but you know across cape ann and in massachusetts you know this is a this is a huge uh challenge right i mean this is the great energy transition um and uh these things can be hard to start but I think what we've seen too, like you know, with the adoption of different types of technology, um, it gets it gets to be part of our daily lives, and we we make the transition successfully. Have you seen or, um, you know, have you seen any kind of challenges or obstacles Um, because they're always there to trip you up? Um, What do you think some of those are that might come across people's, um, you know, journey as they as they move in through this transition?
3: Yeah, well, part of what I do is try to reduce those barriers as much as possible. Uh, you know, most folks who've been through Mass Save will tell you, you know, some people will rave about it, but I think even the folks who rave about it will say that it's confusing and there's paperwork and there's bureaucracy. Um, so we really want to walk people through that. Uh, we actually are funded through a grant from MassSave to hire an energy coach. Um, that's uh, Linda Stout, who was one of our former Clean Energy Commission members and... Uh, is available to kind of help people out. We have office hours at the senior center once a month, the third Thursday of the month. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, she's available to walk people through. Uh, And we also want to connect the dots to other ways that people can manage their utility bill. So we understand that for a lot of folks, it it comes down to, you know, their household expenses, what's going in and what's going out. Um, And we know that, right, the incentives are there to help people with those costs um, and so we want to connect people to them you know i think candace in, in your previous segment talked about uh, gloucester's community electricity aggregation program uh, that program has measurably, measurably uh, helped gloucester residents to kind of weather the shock to the energy market mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. past winter and still really continuing when we had 33 cent per kilowatt hour rates this winter Gloucester residents who are on that program were insulated. So we really want to, you know, bring the resources that help people to have more stability, together with resources to that help people be more energy efficient and and take climate action. Um, And we do that through the the Gloucester Energy Challenge. Um, We table at local events to talk to folks. We have our energy coach available for folks, and namely we have coming up a a big event that'll be kind of a centerpiece, which is the um, Gloucester energy savings fair
0: yeah i i before we get to that and talk about the energy fair um i just i wanted to go back and talk about how people can really get involved so if they go to the gloucester-ma.gov website is there a way that they can sign up for um you know a, a session with linda or is that you know does she is she only at um the rose baker senior center Um, once a week or like I know it's hard to get started at this so and the city of Gloucester is offering so many great opportunities for people to not only understand more but start the process and and get going and be guided through it and that's really key.
3: Yeah well one thing I'll put out there is we do have a resident climate action guide I'll give you the URL, but um, that is really our attempt to kind of put everything in one place. Um, You know, I think people come up to me all the time and they say, how do I actually know that what I'm doing has an impact? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we've talked about our homes and our cars as being, you know, really where folks can make the most change. But, you know, I also think about youth who really don't have a home or a car to make a difference with, they're already walking everywhere, so they're already <laughs> doing great in that regard. Um, but, you know, we we want to try and compile, you know, actions that we know make a difference mm-hmm. for folks in one mm-hmm. place. Um, let me just find the URL.
0: And we can also put that on our resources. Um,
3: oh, yes, that the, would be great. The, the, you can also yeah, just Google uh, Gloucester Climate Action Resident Guide. Um, And if you go specifically into the section for um, uh, green buildings or green energy, uh, there's all kinds of resources related to uh, mass save, Hmm. you know, how do you get started thinking about heat pumps, lots of resources for education about heat pumps, you know, when you get to the point of getting quotes, can people... You know, there's there's resources for people to help you compare those quotes, right? There is yeah. really so much support, and it's about you know connecting the dots. And all of that will also be at the Energy Savings Fair as well. On okay, October. so
0: let's get to the Energy Savings Fair because these things are fun. Um, there's a lot of things happening, um, and it's an opportunity to get more information. And it's coming up on October 24th.
3: Yes, right? that's correct.
0: So October 24th is a Tuesday.
3: Yep, it's a yep. Tuesday, so it's really like after work. <laughs> we don't want to steal people's weekends away from them. Four to seven. Four to seven. Yep. I'm just holding this up in case the um,
0: we can we can put this up on the video. But um, so tell us more about uh, what's happening.
3: Yeah, so you can drop in any time between that those two hours. Uh, so you know whatever kind of works for you. You can bring your kids. We'll have some activities for kids. We'll have free pizza. We'll have a prize drawing. So lots of things to entice you in. Mm -hmm. This is our second year of doing it. And what we're trying to do, again, is bring all of these resources into one place. So MassSave, right, and all of the different MassSave programs. So if you're low income, you know, you can sign up for MassSave there. And and the low income MassSave program covers 100% of the cost of Mm -hmm. updates. If you're moderate income, you know, you can uh, get help with applying for the moderate income program, which offers enhanced incentives through Mm -hmm. Mm MassSave. Um, if you might qualify for fuel assistance, you can apply for fuel assistance there. We'll also have national grid representatives there, and they can do some kind of magic with you know, helping people deal with if they have past due balance, uh, getting people onto the national grid discount rate if they're eligible for that. Um, we'll have Gloucester uh, Community Electricity Aggregation Program there, which I recognize is also a a terrible name, quite a quite a mouthful of a name, but sometimes I call it community electricity. Um, so if you know, if you you or your relatives or your friends are not enrolled in that program, you really want to look at that and, and see um, if it would be a good fit for you. Um, so it's really for anybody who pays a utility bill. To both, you know, again that intersection of taking climate action, right, reducing our Uh, greenhouse gas emissions as a city and meeting those goals in our climate action plan but also really truly improving people's quality of life Mm -hmm. giving them access to resources to you know actually you know make some of these changes
0: yeah it's it's exciting and um this is how we get started right you know it takes it takes everybody to do this and you know the city of Gloucester is really making sure that it's providing um you know, folks, residents, with what they need to do, also with businesses, um, and uh, and and the the municipality itself is um, also doing this work.
3: Yeah, we want to be leading the way, right? We yeah, don't yeah. just, you know, even though it's that five percent, we want to be doing all the the same things that we're asking residents to do. That's that's right. Um, and uh, I I have just,
0: you know, kind of as we move towards wrapping up, um, you, you've been talking to other sustainability coordinators.
3: Yep. We're a pretty tight crew.
0: There's a group of of you, um, across the North shore. Um, and you know, there's, I think that there's, um, an association for sustainability coordinators. This is a thing. And tell me a little bit, just in the time we have left, what are you learning from these other folks and what they're doing? And uh, is there an opening for that here in Gloucester?
3: Yeah. So, well, first of all, coming into this role, it was kind of daunting because you're creating something from scratch. Uh, But on the other hand, there really, there really truly is a blueprint. Uh, There's other communities that have, I think there's about 30 communities now that have sustainability coordinators or sustainability directors uh, and several others that work with consultants that kind of do this work for them, Mm -hmm. you know, and they really did lay the blueprint for what this role would look like. Uh, You know, some examples, right, Melrose did uh, public EV charging really early on. Natick just got a really great grant through the Inflation Reduction Act, which we'd love to get some money out of that, uh, to electrify one of their schools, you know, Beverly has piloted EV school buses. Salem has done some really good outreach to those environmental justice communities uh, through the Point Initiative. So really just almost anything that I would want to do, somebody has done it in another community. and In
0: a local community, too. So
3: in a local community. And
0: you're, t- and you're in touch with these folks.
3: Yes, and we're friends. We talk all the time. Uh, and Gloucester is a unique place, and there's a unique set of... Uh, relationships to be made here in Gloucester. There's a unique set of advocates and and interests in terms of what makes sense for Gloucester, but Mm -hmm. there is some comfort knowing that pretty much anything that we set our minds to, there's somebody that's done it and they're usually extremely happy to kind of guide you through and share. (laughs) We talk, we definitely talk. (laughs) Well, that
0: that's a great overview, Gemma Wilkins, uh, Sustainability Coordinator for the City of Gloucester. Thank you so much for joining me on Nature Winds podcast. We'll be happy to have you back.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> Give you. us it's an update pleasure. on
0: what you're up, what you're doing um, with the CARP, yes, and uh, and, and what your friends, and other sustainability coordinators, are talking about.
3: <laughs> Thank you so much.
0: Sure, thanks for thanks for ha- being here. Um, that's all for Nature Winds episode on decarb Gloucester. Uh, we've really enjoyed having you here with us for our debut episode. Um, you can find us on social. Uh, check us out at hashtag TownGreenInc, or you can take a look at LinkPop, Inc. And join us next time on Nature Winds Podcast. I'm your host, Maureen Award. Thanks for listening to Nature Winds Podcast, a climate adaptation journey. Follow Nature Winds on Town Green social platforms, hashtag Town Green Inc. Listen to Nature Winds on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. Visit towngreen2025.org to subscribe to our newsletter and learn more about Town Green.